following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome to church on a Wednesday. Hey, I hope your, your week has been off to a fantastic start. I hope you're settling in at home. Maybe you've been working from home. Maybe you've been going into the office. But here's what we hope is that tonight you receive whatever it is that you've come needing from God, that he would just refresh your soul. And I'm really excited to dive into God's word together this evening. We are in the third and final uh, week of a series that we have been calling The Man, The Myth, and the legend. And obviously, we, um, if you haven't figured it out, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. And, and when he would walk the earth, right, he would, he would do and say things that would leave people wondering if, if this guy, are you, are you real? Are you a myth? Like you're saying things that are blowing our mind. And not only that, when he walked this earth, he would do things that would, that would make people step back and say, this, this, this is the stuff that legends are made of. Like, and guess what? We're, we're still preaching about the things Jesus did so many years ago. And so the man, the myth, and the legend, we're talking about all things Jesus. And, and here's what we've kind of figured out is that if we're going to talk about Jesus and, and we're going to learn about Jesus and we're going to put our focus and our attention on him, then the best way to figure out who he is, right, is to, to understand and to find in the word of God what he says about himself. And so we're going to do that tonight. Jesus makes some statements where he uh, defines who he is and one of those tonight, I'm really excited to break down, and we're going to start in John chapter 10, verse 11. And I want you, listen, you're going to figure out where we're going from the very get-go of our time together tonight, but when I read this scripture, I want you to catch who Jesus says that he is. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus is speaking, and he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Jesus defines right off the bat for us who he is, and he, he would continue to say that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And so we know that, we know the gospel, right, means good news. And, and so therefore, it is good news that Jesus, the good shepherd, was willing to die for you and me, that he was willing to take our place on the cross to give us an opportunity for heaven. He didn't deserve it. You and I deserve it. But, but the good shepherd, it's good news that the good shepherd died for you and for me. And so in this story, here, here's where I, I want to kind of take us tonight. In this story, if Jesus is the good shepherd then who are you and I, right? Like in the story of Jesus as the shepherd, where does that leave us? Let me, let me give you a fun fact and, and you'll understand exactly who we are when, when I tell you this fact that, did you know that sheep are mentioned in the Bible more than any other animal? Sheep are mentioned in the Bible more than any other animal. I bet you, it, really, about 200 times, if you go to start to count throughout the Word of God, you'll find sheep mentioned about 200 times. 
Dogs are mentioned in the Bible. We all love dogs. Cats are mentioned in the Bible. Well, uh, really the only place that cats are mentioned is in reference to large cats. Um, when, when the word of God would say that the, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, that, that's how cats are referenced. We all love dogs. I, I'm, I'm just saying that that's how the Bible references, references cats. Um, but, but who are we in the story? We are the sheep. And this may not be such exciting news for you and for me to be sheep. Now, it is, but, but there's some reasons to where it may not be the, the best thing to be a, a sheep because some of the time, really, really most of the time throughout history, Sheep are, and I'm not going to say the most stupid animal in the world because that would be rude, but I'm going to say sheep are some of the most unintelligent animals that walk this earth. And you and I are referenced as sheep. Aren't you excited tonight? Come on, don't you, don't you feel your faith being lifted this evening? See, you can go to a circus and, and you can see all kinds of animals that are being trained. You can see donkeys that they can train. You see dogs that are trained, elephants that are trained, but you don't ever see sheep in a circus because you can't train them because they are too, and I'm not going to use the word stupid because that would be rude, but they are too uh, unintelligent. Talking about sheep. So what I want to do for the next few moments is, is share with you four difficulties of being a sheep, and maybe maybe you can you can uh, understand and identify with with some of these. But the first thing about a sheep, one of the difficult things about being a sheep, is that sheep often get lost very easily. In fact, the Old Testament would say it like this in Isaiah fifty three and verse six: "We, you and me, all like sheep. This is the Bible speaking. Have gone astray. Each one of us has turned our own way." And it's incredibly common for sheep to say, you know what, we're, we're in the pasture and we're, we're grazing. Oh, oh, this looks really good. And so I'm going to make my way over here because this, this feels good. And it, it seems good in the moment. And I think the reality, if you're honest with yourself on this Wednesday night, that this is where some of us find ourselves in life, that as we're trying to figure out life and as we're going about our daily activities, it, it seems like we, we seem to make the same bad choice over and over and over again. It's because, listen, it's, it's so simple. It's because sheep without a shepherd get lost very easily. The second difficulty about being a sheep <laughs> is that sheep are defenseless. Have you, have you thought about this? Have you spent much time thinking about this? Think about all the other animals in the world. Think about animals that have different forms of defense. Even cats, 
can call your eyes out, right? Uh, animals have fangs, they have horns, some can kick, some can fly away, some are really fast, some can blend in into the environment, but sheep, they can't do anything but stand there and look like a big fluffy cotton ball, right? That, that is what sheep can do. They are totally defenseless and on our own. Let's talk for a moment on our own without the body of Christ, without the armor of God, without the protection of the good shepherd. You and I are very vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. We're vulnerable to, to wandering off in our own direction. We're, we're, we're vulnerable to believing the lies and, and living a life that leads to death and destruction at least on the inside, because sheep by themselves are defenseless. A third difficulty of, of being a sheep, and maybe you, you can identify with this, is that sheep are very stubborn creatures. Come on, if you're sitting on your couch, I, I know you don't even have to elbow him, man. We know that you're, you think that you're, we're talking about your husband. Some of you, some listen, say sheep are stubborn with me. Wherever you are, can you just say that? Some of you aren't going to say that, and you're the very person that I, you are being stubborn. Now, see, sheep are very stubborn creatures. I, I've heard it said that <laughs> if sheep found themselves kind of in a tight space, right, if they, they walk in between two rocks, and they get, they get lodged in, the, the sheep are too. And once again, I'm not going to use the word stupid because that might insult our intelligence, but I'm going to use the word um, unintelligent that they don't back up and go in reverse, right? That, that's how the, the mind of a sheep works. Instead, they keep inching forward, lodging themselves deeper and deeper into a problem. How many of you know somebody like that? Right? That instead they find themselves in a situation. And instead of saying, you know what? And this is, I messed up. I gotta back out of this. I gotta, I gotta do something different. They just, they just keep inching forward and they find themselves stuck in a deeper and worse situation than when they started. And the fourth difficulty of being a sheep, once again, maybe you can identify with this at least at some point and time in your life is that sheep are, are filthy. Sheep are dirty animals. And I know we have this perception of what they look like on TV, but those sheep have gone through the car wash, okay? Those, those sheep really do look like a fluffy cotton ball, but, but sheep in real life don't really have that same appearance. Sheep, sheep don't have the ability, listen, to clean themselves. Wow, doesn't that remind you of, of you and I at some point in time in our spiritual journey? Doesn't it remind you of our sin nature, the fact that you and I don't have the ability to clean ourselves and to, to cleanse ourselves? See, you and I, just like sheep, are in need of a shepherd. The bottom line is this, is that Sheep need a shepherd, and you and I are in need of a savior. We need 
Jesus and without Jesus as our good shepherd, you and I are left vulnerable to the enemy. And it's, it's why it's so important. It's so important in you and I that we understand the good news when Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. That's what, that's what Jesus does for you and for me. That's, that's the beauty of serving Jesus and, and, and living a life following the good shepherd. And so tonight here, for the remainder of our time together, we've talked about the sheep and the difficulties surrounding being a sheep. That's you and me. And kind of, we, we've all identified in some form or fashion with what that looks like. But what I want to share with you, the beauty of the good shepherd. And I, I want to share with you really what a life lived following the good shepherd, what that looks like. And I want to talk to you about what the good shepherd does and what the good shepherd is capable of. And if you're taking notes, you can jot down this first one. It's this. What does a good shepherd do? A good shepherd, he guides Guy, everybody say guides. Come on, maybe you're at your kitchen table. Maybe you're, you're sitting on your couch. Say, the good shepherd, he guides. Psalm 23 would say it this way in verse 3, the Lord is my shepherd. And he does what? Everybody say it aloud. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, the Lord. What he he guides, the good shepherd guides you and me. In John chapter 10, verses three through four, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he is brought all out on his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice and they follow him. Why? because they know his voice, because he guides them. And I'm not gonna spend much time on this because I preached an entire sermon on it on Sunday. And if you're having difficulty hearing and listening and following the voice of God in your life, go back and listen to that message. But I do wanna ask you a simple question tonight, that if the good shepherd has the ability and the desire to guide us through life, why do you and I so often choose to be our own tour guide? Why, why do we try to, to go through life doing it all ourselves? You know, it was earlier, earlier this year, I was in a wedding in Chicago, and, and Cassidy and I chose to, she, she went with me, and we said, you know, let's spend a couple of days in the city. This was very early uh, in January. And one of the, the main things that I wanted to do is go see Wrigley Field. I wanted to go, I wanted to check it out, man. I was so, just the, the iconic um, statement, really, that Wrigley Field is. And, and so we could have tried to just go show up and get in and just walk around on our own and just see everything. But instead, you know what we did? We called and we got a guide. We got a, we got a tour guide. 
So we get there. We had our very own tour guide, y'all. And here's the beauty of it, okay, is that we get there. And sure, we could have seen stuff on our own, and it would have probably on the surface been an amazing trip because we wouldn't have known any better. But can I tell you how amazing the experience was with the tour guide following the tour guide. The tour guide took us to places that I would have never been able to see. We went down into the visitor's dugout, y'all, where they, the batting cage is back there, where like all the greats who have ever played Wrigley Field is so iconic. There's been some unbelievable athletes come through there where they would warm up, and then we made the walk from the batting cage out. We went to the locker room. We went out onto the field field. We had access because of the guide to things that we would have never had access to on our own. And I want you to know, listen, that a life lived following Jesus, the good shepherd who guides you and I, you will have access to things in him and through him that you will never have on your own. So I'm encouraging you tonight. I don't know where you fall on the spiritual continuum, but I want to encourage you on this Wednesday that you fall in love with the good shepherd and that you allow him to lead you and guide you because you will have access to so much more in him more joy, more peace, more contentment, more happiness is found when you're following the good shepherd. He guides. The second thing that a good shepherd does is that he provides. And I'm not just speaking in a, a monetary sense. I'm not just talking about money. No, no, no. I'm talking every aspect of life is that the good shepherd his provision is amazing, and, and you and I serve a God that is amazing with his provision. In fact, Psalm 23, 1 through 3, David would say this, that the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He, the good shepherd, restores my soul. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, now let me ask you a question. How often do you see sheep lying down? That's kind of a trick question because chances are, if you're not a farmer, you don't see sheep very often in any posture, whether that's standing up or lying down at all. So, so I get that. But, but if you were, let me tell you this, you don't see sheep lying down very often because there's three things that a sheep has to have really before they choose to lie down and rest. And it's the, these are the three things and I wanna share them with you. The first is this, is that they have to be well-fed. If they're gonna lay down, they have to be well-fed. The second is this, is that they have to be getting along. The sheep in the flock have to be getting along or they, or they will choose to not lay down. And the third is this, is that they have to feel safe, to be well-fed, they have to be in unity, getting along, and they have to feel safe. But listen, listen, listen to me on this Wednesday. 
But in the presence of the good shepherd, in the presence of the good shepherd who, who leads them to green pastures, guess what? Where they are full because they have been in his presence and he breaks up fights and he helps them to get along along the way. He, he leads them beside quiet waters. You see, some of us tonight, some of you need to allow the good shepherd to step into your home and to help bring healing to your marriage, help bring healing with your children and bring forgiveness in your relationships because once you've been in his presence, you become full because he has so much to offer. He, he leads, the Bible says, he leads me beside quiet waters. Why, why quiet waters, you may ask? Because if there's rushing water, the sheep are not going to drink from rushing water. Why? Because often, and I don't want to say stupid, but they're unintelligent. I don't want to insult our intelligence. And, and they fall in the rushing waters. And once again, they become a big, giant, fluffy cotton ball floating down the river. And they, they don't want to do that. But good shepherds lead them beside the right kind of water so they can drink. They can be nourished. Their thirst can be quenched. And so, who is the right kind of water? Yeah, you guessed it, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the living water. And once we, once we drink from him, we will never thirst again. He will quench every desire and every thirst that you have ever had. He quenches that inward need, that thing that you've been searching for and looking for and longing for. Once you get a taste of the living water, I'm telling you, that it's something that you can't get out of your system. He, he has a way of just refreshing your soul, of bringing peace, of bringing joy. Even when everything on the outside seems chaotic on the inside, you can have this peace that the Bible says passeth all understanding because he's a good shepherd. I've got really good news for you this evening that our good shepherd is so loving in his provision that he refreshes our soul so that even no matter where you are right now, no matter what you're walking through on the inside, your soul can be at peace. Your soul can be at rest. The third thing that a great shepherd does is that he protects. <laughs> he protects, he guides, he provides, but then then he protects. Psalm 23, verses four through six, David said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because, because my good shepherd is with me for you are with me, the Bible says. And when he is with me, haven't you found this to be true? When he is with me, I have nothing to fear. Come on, I can walk through a difficult situation, but I can know that if he's with me, somehow, some way, we're gonna make it through this. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know the timing of it, but if my good shepherd is with me, we can make it. The Bible continues to say, I will fear no evil for you are with me. 
your rod, let's talk about the rod. It was a weapon to scare off the animals that were trying to harm the sheep who would, who would try to threaten their well-being. And your staff, they comfort me. The staff had a hook on it to, to rescue animals that had walked away and to even comfort them, maybe to, to pet them, if you will. This is, this is what the good shepherd does. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. What, what does this mean? And I think Pastor, Pastor Johnson has preached a message on this, and maybe, maybe this is kind of where some of my understanding on this comes from. But, but, but sheep, you have to remember, sheep were very stinky individuals in that day and age and still are. And so that would mean that flies would congregate around them. And it wasn't uncommon in that day and age and even today for, for flies to, to fly into the nose of a sheep, which in turn they would lay eggs and the larva would hatch. And these little larvae would get inside the nasal passages and they would make their way up to the brain of the sheep and it would pester the sheep so much to the point that they would bang their head against things, even to the point of death sometimes. <laughs> this, is what, this is where the good shepherd comes in. You anoint my head with oil. This oil acted almost like an insect repellent, keeping the flies away. The good shepherd says, e uh, listen, I'm going to take care of the things that irritate you, that get at you, that pester you, the little things that are trying to keep you off of off course and take you to a place that you don't want to go. That's how good that I am. I will take care of you. I will protect you. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. There was an Old Testament tradition in the, the Palestine homes that where if you were a guest at somebody's house, the way that you knew the party was still going and the dinner was still going is that if they continued to refill your cup and your cup stayed full, that you were still welcome at the table and you were still welcome as a guest. But, but when they stopped refilling your cup and when it went empty, you knew that that was your sign that it was time to go home because you were no longer welcome as a guest in their house. And so David would make this statement that my cup overflows. In other words, what he's trying to tell you and I is that we are always welcome in the presence of the good shepherd. We're always welcome. That's how good he is, that, that my cup overflows, that he continues to bless me beyond what I deserve. He always has a seat for me. I can always be in his presence. The good shepherd. Verse six, surely, surely, your goodness and mercy will follow me, they'll overtake me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, I don't know about you, but that excites me tonight to know that I can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He protects me. He protects you. 
Listen, this doesn't mean that you'll never fall upon situations that are that, that just, you know, situations in life that frustrate you, that physical harm will never come to you. That's not exactly what that means. Sure, as Christians, we're going to walk through difficult moments in life, but, but in a spiritual sense, he has stored up an inheritance for you that will never spoil, that will never perish, that it will never fade, and the good shepherd is the one who will always lay down his life for a sheep. He guides, he provides, he protects. That's, that's who Jesus is. It's what Jesus does. He is the good shepherd, and we are the sheep. Can I tell you tonight that he's really, really good at what he does? I want to close with this story this evening. I read a story of a drama professor teaching his class, and he told all of his students, he said, listen, I want you, I want you all to read the 23rd Psalm, and he said, I'm going to volunteer to go first. So the professor, as you can imagine, was brilliant, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he, he goes through the entire passage of Scripture. It was amazing. Every student stood up and applauded at the end. It was powerful. Yeah, it was great. Woo! But then when he finishes, he points to a student on the front row. He says, now it's your turn. I, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. I want you to go first and happen to be one of the shyest kids in the class. Everybody knew Everybody knew that he was a Christian, but, but he was shy. He was really, really scared to stand up in front of crowds. It didn't matter what scenario was presented him. He was just really, really shy and nervous about it. And so the young Christian, the young Christian boy stands up before his class, all of his peers. He was extremely nervous as he starts to read. The imagery started coming to life. And he started remembering all the things that Jesus had done for him and his family over the last few years. It hadn't, hadn't been the easiest of road that he had walked. And so he began to recite the scripture, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want and he remembers once again the provision and the, the protection, if you will, that God had provided him along the way. And as he's reading, he begins to tremble. He starts kind of shaking because he just, he's in awe of the goodness of God. And he continues, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. And he, he begins to get overwhelmed with emotion as he's reading this passage of scripture. And he can barely get through it through the tears when he finished no one clapped everyone was weeping everyone all of his peers his teacher were, were moved beyond measure and they were they were crying and they were they were just in awe because they could sense what was going on in the room there was not a dry eye in that moment and the drama teacher does something amazing, and I want you to catch this. The drama coach stands up, and he said, well, there you have it. I know the psalm, 
But you, son, you know the shepherd. And I wonder tonight, I wonder how many of us find ourselves in that situation. We know, listen, we know how to put on the facade of church. We know how to clap our hands at the right time. We know how to go through the motions, right, of knowing what to say and when to say it. But, but I wonder tonight, and I want to I wanna invite you to know the shepherd. It's one thing to come to church, and we should, and we need to. And I hope to see you in the building on Sunday. But I also hope that deep down, that there is an authentic, real relationship with the good shepherd, the good shepherd that guides you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. The good shepherd who, who will provide for you. He will, he will provide joy and peace for you in a way that you'll never be able to do as you guide yourself through life. And he will protect you. He will provide protection when you feel defenseless, when you don't even know what to say or what to do. The good shepherd will be your protection. So I wonder tonight, maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus, the good shepherd, or maybe, maybe you used to know him, maybe you know a lot about him, but over the years, over the course of the last few months, maybe you've kind of grown astray in your relationship with Jesus, and now it's moved to more head knowledge about him and not a heart relationship with him. I want to pray for you tonight as we wrap up that you would pursue a relationship with the good shepherd. Wherever you are, maybe you're on your couch, maybe you're sitting on your cell phone at a restaurant. I don't know where you are right now, but I wonder if you would just bow your heads with me. And if you don't know Jesus, listen, there's so much more in a relationship with him, but you can start in a moment right now saying, Lord, I surrender everything to, to you. Everything of me, I'm done. I've been trying to guide myself long enough. I turn it over to you from this day forward. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. And maybe, maybe you've known of Jesus for a long time. Maybe you've been around church environment for a long time, but you have yet to really have that deep, authentic connection and relationship with the Good Shepherd. I want to pray for you tonight as well. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. We, we've been on a journey the last three weeks to just know more about you, Jesus. And without a shadow of a doubt, your word states clearly that you are, you are the Good Shepherd. So tonight, I pray for every individual that is far from you, that does not know you, that in this moment, that they would have the courage and the faith to surrender their life to you. God, take every aspect of me. I don't want to guide my life anymore. I want you to be the guide of my life. There's so much more 
in you. And Lord, for those individuals that maybe maybe know a lot about you and may know a lot about the church environment, they may know a lot about religion, but they don't know the Jesus behind it all. God, I pray that they would move back into an authentic, passionate relationship with you. Bless them tonight. Bring us back to church on Sunday. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in church tonight. We'll see you Sunday in the house or online. Have a great night.